Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many more, and you can make money from your podcasts. It's everything you need to do to make a podcast in one place. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And a lot of people say, well, I'm, you know, we're hospitable. And as soon as I learn that new lamb chop recipe or get the carpet shampooed, we're going to invite the, the new neighbors in. And I'm saying that's not necessarily hospitality. That's entertaining. Entertaining is inviting people into your home. Hospitality is inviting people into your life. Radical hospitality is inviting people into your life. You would otherwise look the other way on. Hey, welcome to Inspiring Growth. This is Mark P. Fisher. And our podcast today is sponsored by Cause Inspired Media. If you run a nonprofit, did you know that you could be eligible for up to $10,000 worth of Google ads per month? That's $120,000 per year. If you're interested in finding out more from one of my partners, Cause Inspired Media, go to causeinspiredmedia.com. Well, let's jump into our podcast today with John Ashman. And in the studios today from Colorado Springs is the president of CityGate Network. John and I have been friends for over 20 years, worked on multiple projects together. Well, first of all, Mark, I think it's been 30 years. (laughs) We are older than you think. I I don't remember how many years ago it was, but he believed in me before I believed in myself. And John also is the guy that many years ago gave me a copy of the book, Same Kind of Different as Me. The seed was planted by John when he handed me that book and he said, you know, Mark, in the camp and conference world, there's hospitality, but in rescue missions, there's radical hospitality. And I appreciate how John has brought a perspective on caring for those who aren't like us into my life and into my world and introduced me to both the book and to Ron Hall. So, John, thank you for being in the studios today. Tell us a little bit about CityGate Network and what you guys are doing around the country. CityGate Network is the new name of what used to be the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. This is an organization that was founded back in the early 1900s. 1906, actually, it was when something called the Federation of Gospel Missions came about and Salvation Army was part of it, so many other mission organizations. In 1913, Salvation Army went one direction, and all of the independent missions went another, and they became known as the International Union of Gospel Missions that changed its name in 1990 to the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. But a lot of times, missions need to go through a total rebirth. Most organizations are somewhere on what they call the sphygmoid curve. I love that word. But the sphygmoid curve follows the place where there's just gradual plateauing, which comes to decline unless you reinvent yourself. So the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions needed to reinvent itself. And we were on a journey for that for the last year. There's almost 300 members of this network, of this association. What is the core work that they do? This is North America's oldest and largest network of independent faith-based crisis shelters and addiction recovery centers. In fact, it's the only home service provider. But these are organizations that work with something we call life transformation. They are known for the rescue aspect. And the rescue aspect has to do with that food, clothing, shelter. But the life transformation is where the difference is made. 
Yeah, I remember Denver Rescue Mission. And I showed up in shorts and a t-shirt and I stood in line and waited for food and a fight broke out beside me. And this big bouncer guy was there and I sort of stayed close to him asking him, how does this work? I've never been here before. And I just, I wanted to see what it felt like to live inside of a homeless shelter. And so the guy says, okay, look, Mark, go through this line. You'll check in, then you're going to go get your food, then you can get your room and your bed and so forth. So I said, okay. So I, I remember distinctly standing in the line heading down the steps to go eat. And this African-American guy about in his 40s was standing behind me. And he taps me on the shoulders. And he looks sort of quizzically at me and he says, what the hell is your suburban honky white ass doing in the ghetto? (laughs) And I was like, I was so caught off guard. I had no idea what to say. And I looked at him and I said, "Uh, I think the same thing as you, man. I am looking for a place to stay and some food. He goes, what you do? And again, I didn't know what to say. And I said, I'm a storyteller. <laughs> he looked at me, he goes, a what? And then I looked at him and I said, well, what's your name? And he told me, I said, what do you do? And he sort of looked around to make sure no one was listening. His name was Curtis. He said, I'm a pharmacist. What you need? <laughs> and it was true. He actually had got, he was an RN. He was a registered nurse. He got arrested for stealing narcotics out of a hospital and he had gone to jail and he had just gotten out of jail and this was his second night in the Denver rescue mission he says you stick with me man I'll make sure you're okay and sure enough man he he made sure I was okay and I remember the next morning he went out for smokes and it was six in the morning and I said Curtis I, I gotta be straight with you I, I said it's true I was here for the same reason but I just wanted to feel like what it was all about and he goes I knew it 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 you're no homeboy you you didn't belong in the ghetto and and we became friends and it was it was one of those moments where I was like in a room with 400 coffee men all night long trying to sleep trying to figure out how to navigate the services and the food and recognizing every night in America according to research in January of this year 543,000 men women and children were without shelter. And that's what I love so much about the City Gate Network. The 500,000 number that you're talking about is the number that comes from HUD, which is Housing and Urban Development. And they do their homeless counts in January and a night when they think people would be in shelters. But there are so many people who know the system and know the game and they don't want to be counted. And so they disappear into alleyways and and, into the woods down by the riverbank, uh, we gather that there would probably be on any given night in U.S. and Canada about a million people who are homeless. I mean, the 500,000 would represent eight football f- NFL football fields in America. So that would be 16 football fields, 17 football fields full of people who don't have a place to live. You know, I, I read a study that you were involved in that people do not become homeless, at least at first, when they run out of money. It's when they run out of relationships. Talk about how members in the CityGate network help take people who need rescuing through a process that actually restores relationships. Well, it's all about community and bringing people in. You know, you talked about hospitality, Mark, and a lot of people say, well, I'm, you know, we're hospitable. And as soon as I learn that new lamb chop recipe or get the carpet shampoo, we're going to invite the, the new neighbors in. And I'm saying that's not necessarily hospitality. That's entertaining. Entertaining is inviting people into your home hospitality is inviting people into your life. Radical hospitality is inviting people into your life you would otherwise look the other way on. 
So that's what missions do. But the core, because the rescue aspect is there, but the core of what is, goes on is life transformation. And here's the way I, I look at it and what I explain to our members. There are basically four ways everybody around the world tries to move people from human suffering to human flourishing. Human suffering meaning you have nothing, no means, and all is lost to human flourishing, you're living life at the standard that's normal for your country, your location. The first way we try to move people from human suffering to human flourishing is called disaster relief. That's where somebody is going through a flood, a fire, hurricane, tornado, and they're on the roof of their house and the National Guard comes out and tosses sandwiches up to them until they can get rescued and evacuated to a gymnasium where the Red Cross is. And then once they are in the gymnasium and they have shelter, in comes Habitat for Humanity that works with them and insurance companies, takes them back, cut the wallboards, sweep the muck out of the house and, and, and start getting to the point where they're working their way back to flourishing. So, so from human suffering to human flourishing. The second way that we move people from human suffering to human flourishing is humanitarian aid. That's when we fly in the big C-5 planes and drop off the bags of rice or we dig wells or whatever it happens to be, bringing doctors and take care of whatever that major catastrophe was that causes people to be suffering. The third way is something called community development. And that's, if you've read any of Shane Claiborne's materials or people like that, it's when you move into a rough city, Camden, New Jersey, East St. Louis, Richmond, California, whatever it happens to be, and and you live in the inner city and you start working with the locals and, and work with church leaders and government and you start trying to bring in better schools and better housing, better parks and recreation. And there's a whole association for that Christian Community Development Association. The last way we try to move people from human suffering to human flourishing is called life transformation. And that's when you work with runaways and, and people who are escaping human trafficking and alcoholics and drug addicts and, and all of the people who are just out there who are homeless and don't have the education and can't see themselves getting out of their current state. So life transformation looks like this. I'm under a bridge tonight. I haven't eaten in two days. It's going to be below freezing. And those guys who are chasing me for my shoes know where I am. I may not survive the night. Wait, here comes the mission van. What are they saying? They're saying I can come and stay at the mission tonight, get something to eat and be safe. That's wonderful. But what good is that? Because I'm an addict or maybe the person is mentally unstable. I have mental illness. Wait a minute. Now the mission is saying I can go through an addiction recovery program or I can go see a doctor or a counselor and maybe have my meds tweaked. But once I go through all that, I don't know anything. Wait a minute. Now the mission is telling me I can get my education here. I can finish my high school degree, I can get my GED, or I can go through social skills training, but I don't have a skill. Now the mission is telling me I can get job training here on site or with a partner organization, and I can learn to weld, I can learn to cook, I can learn to work at a call center or whatever. But who would hire me because I have a prison record? Wait a minute, now the mission is telling me they can place me in a job and help me with my interview, but I don't want to be working homeless. Where am I going to live until I get up to speed? Now the mission is telling me I can be in a house and they can have me in a home. And when the time is right, they can move my family back in with me. That's great. And how am I going to stay this way? Now the mission is telling me they're going to put me in connection with a church and a community. 
And at this point, people are moving from human suffering to human flourishing from under the bridge back to in a, in a church, in a community with a job. I call it saved in every sense of the word, sober, secure, financially settled and serving, doing their own missional living back again. That's what life transformation looks like. And every year, tens of thousands of people in this country, North America, US, Canada, Mexico, Caribbean, tens of thousands of people take that journey and go from human suffering to human flourishing. And that is the kind of story that's inspiring, not just from a social perspective, but from a personal perspective. If you run a nonprofit, or as I like to say, it runs you, did you know that there is a special advertising grant that Google offers nonprofits? It's called the Google Ad Grant, and it'll give you up to $10,000 in advertising monthly to your nonprofit. And the way I use it with my clients is we increase visibility, donations, volunteers, and because at Inspiring Growth, we work with partners like Cause Inspired Media, I am able to delegate to Cause Inspired Media the management of all of our Google ads through the Google Grant Program. Some of my clients get three dollars to $4,000 worth of free advertising a month, others up to $9,800, almost $10,000 a month in free advertising. So if you run a nonprofit and you'd like to find out more about how you can qualify and start getting more traffic, more visibility, more donations to your nonprofit, go to causeinspiredmedia.com. Be sure you let them know that you heard this on Inspiring Growth and your first month of services are absolutely free. So go to causeinspiredmedia.com. Let's jump back into our podcast. John, talk about how individuals can inspire that kind of growth when they walk past a homeless person, when they touched by a story that they want to engage with maybe one of these one of these organizations, these rescue missions. How can someone on a personal level make a difference? First of all, you have to want to get to know the person. You have to look people in the eye and ask them questions. You know, I I look at the folks in cars, the, the traffic light when they come to an intersection and the light just turns red and they're realizing that 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 person on the side of the road who has a sign is going to actually walk up past all the cars. And I look at the eyes of the people and they look ahead or they look down. They won't look at the person. I don't give money, but I'll roll down my window every time and just say, how are you doing? What's happening here? How's the weather treating you here? Or whatever the question might be. From time to time, if I know I'm going to be in an area like that, I'll hand them something tangible, you know, like a pair of socks. That's really important. Or even a certificate, a cute coupon for McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or something like that. So getting to know the people, introducing yourself, looking at and having a conversation, that's the first step. I know that some of the movement for me within my own soul, just feeling like a judge of that person, like, how did you end up here? You must be an idiot. You've thrown your life away. And I remember Denver Moore, one, the, the, one of the co-authors of Same Kind of Different as Me, he often would say, the courthouse is full of judges. God doesn't need no more judges. He needs servants. So if you want to make a difference in people's lives, you need to crawl down and put them on your back and help take them out of that gutter. And I've always appreciated that perspective. So like when I got introduced to Bomba socks, great quality socks, but for every sock they sell, they give one away to uh, a homeless shelter. 
uh, sackcloth and ashes for every blanket that is sold. They give one away to homeless shelters within the CityGate network. So I, I think it's interesting how we need to change our perspective as when we see somebody on the street. But give us some more suggestions. Well, let's go back to that socks thing, because that's probably the number one item. If you really want to do something tangible, socks are critical all times of the year. I went to one of our member missions and to see a new director, and I walked in and asked for the for the director in at the front desk, which is in this big common room where there were probably 20, 30, 40 people just sitting, getting out of the out of the elements. And he's coming from the back room, and somebody pointed to him. There he is. And that's Brother Ron. So I went up and said, "Hi, Brother Ron. You're, so you're the director here." He says. Well, not really. He says, at least I don't like to think of myself that way. He says, I just want to be known as the foot guy. And I said, what do you mean the foot guy? He says, come here, I'll show you. We turned around. He went back to where he was coming from, opened the door, went into a a relatively small room. In the room, there were two big Nogahide chairs. And at the base of each was a wash basin. And he said, when people are homeless and they come into the the mission for the first time. He says, I want to get to know them. So I bring them back in here and I take off their shoes and their socks. Sometimes I have to cut their socks off with scissors and then I soak their feet and then I cut their toenails and then I look for whatever sores they have on their feet. And then I treat them. He pointed to one wall and there's a whole wall of bandages and, and medicine. And he says, once we get the feet treated, he says, then I give them new socks and new shoes. And he pointed to the other wall where he, he actually had one of those things that when we were a kid, you put your foot in at the shoe store and they measures your, how long your toes are and how wide your foot is. And he says, we get shoes that fit, new socks and shoes that fit. He says the biggest problem people have when they leave here is they keep walking into walls because they don't watch where they're going. They look down at their feet. So thankful that they actually can walk with comfort. One of the things that he said to me, which I think really needs to be understood is that For a lot of homeless people, the illnesses that they have are actually born in their feet. Think about it. They spend all of that time walking back and forth from one service provider to another, or sometimes through mud puddles, through snow, or they're standing in line hour after hour. And the treatment of their feet is something that really is at the beginning to giving them some positive health. Well, John, I know also you wrote a book called Invisible Neighbor. Can you talk about what inspired you to write that book and how that sort of got inside of you? Well, the book came about because there are so many people who are church people who know that the Bible says that we have an obligation to do something with the poor. Jesus talked about the poor when he started his ministry. You know, I've come to preach to the poor. The Old Testament has numerous verses about the poor, but most people in the typical church in the average pew, have no idea where to engage, where to start. So this was a small group study. It's uh, You can still get Invisible Neighbors, www.invisibleneighbors.org. And it's a, if you have a small group, a youth group, college and career group, it's designed to be a six-week study where you actually get into some of the, of the causes, the reasons, and how to get out of the issues of homelessness. Invisible Neighbors is one of those study guides that will stimulate conversations within a small group of people and create action. I was recently listening to Bob Goff. He was in the local area. He wrote the book Love Does and Everybody Always. 
And he said, you know, one of the things that Jesus talks about is that we feed the hungry, we give drink to those who are thirsty, we help those who are poor, we visit those who are in prison. So one day he was like, I, I got to do something. So he went to a, a fast food restaurant, got a ton of, as a matter of fact, it was in and out Burger, and he's got a bunch of double doubles. And he started going throughout the city and asking people, are you hungry? And if they said yes, he gave them a burger. And sometimes I think for me, it's like a good idea, but that would get messy. That would be weird. Those people aren't in my normal path. What if they attack me? I got other things to do. I got other places to be. What would you say to somebody that feels this stirring, even after listening to our conversation? Like, okay, next steps for me. I'm going to do something. Well, what you're talking about is minimal threat. You know, just to take somebody a sandwich and and ask if they want something to eat. Very, very few times that I have offered that, somebody actually say, no, I don't want anything. Honestly, there are folks out there who are looking for the money to buy the drugs, the alcohol, and they'll even tell you that, but they still get hungry. The thing that makes my family nervous sometimes is when somebody comes up to us and I say, you know what? I'm not going to give you money, but we're all going to go get something to eat. Would you like to join us at Denny's? You know, my, my kids go, oh, here's dad doing this again. But we, we've had some great conversations with people who've had an amazing life up to the point where they missed a few payments and something went terribly wrong in their life and they're on the street. And so in a public place with a lot of folks to take someone in and have a meal with that person and, and just treat them like humans in a setting that they remember what it used to be like when they could do that on their own really does a lot to take them further down the road towards recovery. It's interesting that every relationship starts with a conversation or a question, and you never know where it's going to go, where it will lead, how it will open up or enrich your life or the other person's life or both of your lives. Homelessness isn't necessarily something that can be solved in a conversation, but it can bring humanity to the person that you're talking to. I've talked to people who said, no one's talked to me all day. You're the first person to talk to me. That doesn't make me a hero. It just makes me sad. It makes me realize that we can actually do something meaningful just by being kind, just by being present, just by asking a question. I was with Justin Bowles, who is the vice president of CityGate Network, and we were in Vancouver, Washington, just over the border in Portland. And we went out to a place that I knew was famous for breakfast, and we were at a table very close to the door, sitting across from each other in a booth. And I looked out, and it was fairly warm, but there was a man out there with multiple coats on, and he was looking in the door and walked back out, and then he went and looked in the door. And so I said, Justin, ask that guy if he wants something to eat. And we were into our breakfast at that point, but uh, he, he went and said, yeah, he says, yes. I said, bring him in, you know? And so Justin moved over and he sat down and we got to know him. His name was Robert and he ordered breakfast. It was interesting to watch him eat. He wanted the pancakes and he ate all the pancakes dry. And then he ate the butter and then he drank the syrup. But that was, but the man was brilliant. And just listening to his perspective on political issues and, and the fact that he was a botanist years ago and talk to us about so many of the, the issues that they were dealing with there in the Pacific Northwest, what the solutions were. We were just amazed of, of you know, just something just gets off killer one place in somebody's brain and they end up in a place where we think they're throwaways. And that's not the case at all. Thanks, John. 
Hey folks, are you ready to make a real difference in folks' lives and take some action? We'll begin by going to the website samekindfoundation.org. There are three ways that you can make a difference. Number one, read the blog, Seven Ways to Bless Someone Experiencing Homelessness. Number two, locate a shelter near you so you can volunteer or donate. And number three, watch Ron Hall's TEDx talk entitled Seven Lessons I Learned from a Homeless Ex-Con Named Suicide. That's samekindfoundation.org. Well, you've been listening to part one of a two-part inspiring growth podcast brought to you by my partner, Cause Inspired Media, where your nonprofit could be getting up to $10,000 a month and free Google advertising. Go to causeinspiredmedia.com and mention Inspiring Growth for your first month of free service. And thanks to our super quick and fun editor, Dylan Garvin of Studio D Podcast Production. Listen, if you haven't yet subscribed or rated or reviewed the Inspiring Growth Podcast, please take a moment now while you're thinking about it, because you and I both know that life is a series of activities punctuated with distractions. And join us next time for part two of my interview with John Ashman, Rebranding, a masterclass of changing an organization for a new era. I'm Mark P. Fisher, Chief Encourager with Inspiring Growth. And remember, if you want to make a difference in someone's life, be kind, be present, and ask good questions. 